James uh, chapter 2, 1 through 4, verses 1 through 4. The condemnation of favoritism is what, uh, I guess Macaulay called it, right? Or, so it's my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing fine clothes, and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Um, I think this, can you see that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yep. I think it's better titled this, this lesson, uh, the temptation to show partiality. Well, uh, cause that's the word we're dealing with. And so let me, let's just briefly look at these 15, how, uh, how Malloy uh, divided up the book of James and maybe he got that from somewhere else. But there's 15 temptations expressed in James. So it's, uh, we, and we studied, uh, number one, a temptation to express a swift or negative response and verbalize wrath having a hair trigger in chapter one, 19 through 20. Temptation to be, and I spelled that wrong, to be hearers only of the word and not doers of the word. Covered that in uh, verses 22 through 25. Temptation to criticize others. Today, we're looking at the temptation to show partiality or favoritism. Chapter 2, 1 through 13 is where that's covered. Um, temptation to boast of our faith without works. And you can read those temptation to misuse and not restrain the tongue. And it goes on and on. And it, I looked at these and it, it lines up really nicely. So, it's you can divide the book of James by these temptations, uh, which um, kind of line up nicely. Have you looked at those, Roger? I think I have. I had just you know, now that I see it, I do remember about this, but I had forgotten. Yeah, it pushed off someplace, and I, you know, <laughs> yeah, and it's a nice thing because it is. James opens up with temptations, and then if you fall into it and you sin, you can sin in these things. So we can sin. By showing partiality today uh, to people. So at verse 1, my brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. Um, do not hold is a present active imperative command. So it's a command and it's uh, to hold is to have and to hold. You could like a uh, when you get married, that's the type of holding that you have to have and hold to possess is the word there. I think the the word is echo, E-C-H-O in the the Greek. And then do not hold your faith. Faith is a pistis. It's personal faith. That's the aspect here. It's rest, reliance on, and trust in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, And so you're resting, you're relying on his person, and his work, and the reality of who and what he is, um, and the sum total of all his essence. And when you put those together, uh, some how mysteriously he 
exudes light and glory and splendor and brightness his his essence god is light from uh first john 1 5 um so when you i i think because when you have these when all of his who he is is all together compact in one place because god is everywhere jesus is everywhere but he's also in one place so when you put them all in one place all that uh infinite glory of who he is that it can't contain itself so it just it manifests itself in light right so it's a really uh neat thing that glorious lord jesus christ phrase uh so do not hold your faith in jesus christ with an attitude of personal favoritism um the greek is uh, one word for this this whole phrase it's prosopalempsia prosopalempsia um and that means partiality and that's why i kind of think that the better title is do not temptation to show partiality and it's respect of persons and this word um is used only uh, three times in the new testament it's romans here they are Romans 2.11, for there's no respect of persons with God, and it uses that word pros, uh, prosopalapsia. Um, Ephesians 6.9, and you masters do the same thing, things unto them. Um, forbear threatening, and is talking about to your slaves, forbearing threatening to your slaves, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him, with God. And then Colossians 3, 23 through 25, whatever you do, do your work heartily as if for the Lord, rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance. It is Christ, it is Lord Jesus whom you serve, for he does no... For he who does no wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. No partiality with God. There should be no partiality with us. Um, here's the definition: uh, partiality or respect of persons. It's the fault of one who, when called to give judgment has respect for the outward circumstances, and that's key, the outward circumstances of man, and not their intrinsic merits. And so this person prefers as more worthy one who is rich, one who is high-born or powerful. Um, They prefer them to another who does not possess richness and uh, powerfulness and uh, being high-born or someone being low-born. And that's Thayer's definition of this prosopalympsia. <laughs> uh, let me spell that uh, just for the <laughs> sake of the, the internet uh, recording. P-R-O-S-O-P-O-L-E-M-P-S-I-A. That's the transliteration. So continuing on uh, in verses 2 and 3, uh, 2, 3, and 4. And here it gives this hypothetical uh, situation. 
and we'll just do the whole thing. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there is also uh, there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and then you pay attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, sit, you sit here in a good place, and then you say to the poor man, you stand over here or sit down by my footstool. And then the question is in verse four, have you not made distinctions among yourselves? Come judges with evil motives. So this, if, for if a man, it's a subjunctive, so it's a probable mood, it's a mood of possibility, um, and it's a hypothetical situation, right? It may happen, it may not. But it's a, it's a third class conditional statement for if a man comes into your assembly. And that's a, a third class is a more probable future. So it's likely, more likely than not to happen in the future. Um, it can easily happen. It's likely to happen. So that the idea is to be on guard for this mental attitude when this situation occurs in, in, Maybe today, and you know, Brian and Bob used to seat people for the service, and so they have to, as ushers into the into the ten o'clock, ten thirty service, they have to make sure that they they don't uh, fall. It's uh, one of the commentators called it uh, something uh, a temptation of the ushers or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That's good. I got it. I, I wish we had more. We've had more people that we'd be more tempted. <laughs> yeah, right. And everyone is dressed similar. There's this, yeah. And so maybe we don't have the, the temptation. Um, so you have to be on guard for this situation. Um, is it according to the faith in our Lord, glorious Lord Jesus, risen Lord Jesus Christ, in whom there is no respect of persons, as Scripture says? Or are we going on with our our uh, inner uh, inner t- temptation to show partiality? So this is interesting. This word uh, "synagogue" synagogue is the Greek word. It's a synagogue, and it's a gathering in of people. So they're gathering in. That's what that means. Are coming together, and so being this was in the first. Um, said right after, this is just in the 40s, 40 AD, so these Jews were still gathering in synagogues, but they were uh, believers in Christ, but they were still part of the synagogue. So I just noticed this difference between the two words, uh, synagogue and um, um, the word for church, with which is ecclesia, right? Right. Um, and ecclesia is ek, which is out. So the churches are calling out or called out ones versus, so you call them out into a gathering or a meeting and they're called out from, uh, the church is called out from the mass of Jews and the mass of Gentiles and you call those two groups out into a special third group, the ecclesia, the church. So it's, that's an, out calling instead of an in gathering, which is sunugoge, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, and James uses the word church uh, 
ecclesia in in chapter five, and I don't know I I don't know why he he uses synagogue here, but in chapter five he switches to church. So you know, but I'm sure these people are still meeting in synagogue. So I, I just don't know the reason that he switched that up. Well, it could be maybe that they it took back before they were believers, maybe, and that that was more the practice and the and the gathering for the Jews or something like that. Yeah, and um, the uh, or may, maybe the word well, Paul hasn't come along quite yet. No, and he started really using the word ecclesia, um, and and he described that he's the one who defined that and uh, the the mystery of the. Uh, calling out of the Jews and the Gentiles into one body. So that wasn't a thing, I think, yet when James wrote this. So, so, uh, if this man comes, if the rich man comes in with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, fine clothes is Lampros, which is splendid, magnificent, gorgeous, and bright clothes, uh, versus dirty clothes here which is Ruparos, which is cheap, shabby, uh, sort of what I'm wearing today here. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Shabby clothes. Um, our vile, vile raiment is Ruparos. So those are those two, two men, two types of clothes. Maybe the man in dirty clothes is, uh, really, really hasn't bathe or it's just <laughs> yeah he's vile there right. there you see it so there you can see how easy this temptation is uh, certainly certainly yeah, or, it's, yeah it's hard to, to get close and personal with people that <laughs> maybe don't right. smell too good and it's a you know and yeah it's and it's easy if um you know one of the kardashian sisters comes to church <laughs> okay sleep them in a in in a good place in the you know the left hand side front row because you know they look fabulous and they smell great and uh, yeah it's I was just thinking of how easy this this little thing is to to fall into um. So if these two men come in and you pay special attention to the fine clothes one and you say sit here in a good place and the poor man stand over here or sit down by my footstool, uh, this has allusion to Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies still for your feet. Um, and footstool is a place of dishonor. Um, a place where undesirables are placed there. Um, let's see. We should have that. Oh, it's. Uh, we should have. Gene, can you mute your your phone? I'm getting wind from yes, there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From from uh, Jean there. I think it's uh, her phone. Um, so, and you put the rich man. The splendidly dressed one in a special place, uh, more likely, as I said, in the few pews in the first row on your right side. <laughs> and that's where the bride's family will sit right there. <laughs> uh, special place. Um, well, you've made a judgment call based on appearances um, and not at, 
and not on what you do not see, the intrinsic, intrinsic things, uh, their spiritual condition or um, a person's uh, heavenly position. God clearly sees these things um, and you don't. So how do you know if it's a, if you're uh, the, the man in the vile clothes um, just by appearances, he could be a brother in Christ um, or that verse in Hebrews, what is it? Thir- chapter 13, he could be an angel that you're unaware you're entertaining. I think it's 13, one or two, um, entertaining angels unaware. So that, um, that phrase paying special attention is epiblepo and that you're gazing on this person, uh, kind of admiringly, the one with the, the brilliant, bright, gorgeous clothes and the one with the gold ring. That's what paying attention is um, in the Greek. And blepo is a gaze. You know, they have your gaze. Um, so I say, after all, uh, this is true in what uh, uh, the Lord says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. Um, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. Um, it's a wonderful way to say, and I just, I thought of that, that verse or that, that section of scripture because of the base things and isn't this man in the vile raiment, uh, one of the base things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this, this man can be chosen before God. Um, and you just don't know. So, uh, this making distinctions, have you not? made distinctions from among yourselves and become judges with evil motives. Um, It's an if-then, third-class conditional proposition, as we've said. Um, And it's a logical conclusion based on the premise. Uh, You know, if you've told the the rich man to sit in the good place, the poor man to sit in the at your footstool, then logically it follows that you've made a wrong judgment or an evil motivated judgment. Um, and this is clearly showing in, in the Old Testament as well in several places. And here they are, such as uh, Proverbs 24, 23. These also are sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judgment is not good. First Peter 1 7. If you address the Father as the one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves with fear during the time of your stay here on earth. And hopefully that stay here on earth is short for all of us. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, maybe uh maybe before I have to drive back to uh, the mainland of New York. <laughs> <laughs> 
will be raptured. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good to me. Because the traffic is all awful out here. <laughs> and aggressive drivers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Our Proverbs 22.2, the rich... <laughs> The rich and the poor have a common bond. And look how, look how apropos this proverb is. The rich and the poor have a common bond. The Lord is the maker of them all. So it's really, it's really interesting and kind of wonderful how James ties these things in. All these proverbs and uh, these Old Testament things into, uh, into his letter. Uh, but with, to these new believers in Christ, um, it's really it's really interesting. Malachi two nine. So I also have made you despised and abased before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing. And there's that partiality in judgment, or partiality in the instruction. He's probably talking to the priests there. Um, or the teachers of the Jews back in Malachi. Um, Malachi 2.10, do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? And Psalm 82.2, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Um, the issue of judgment, Partiality is also addressed in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5. Uh, Christ says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Uh, for in the way that you judged, you will be judged. And by your measure of standard, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye and not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly and can take the speck to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, oh, this will be short. So, conclusion. Uh, what, I, there's this one section of scripture Colossians 3, 1 through 17, that, uh, that really encapula- encapsulates, encapsulates, um, how to, what our resources are in this tempt, this very subtle temptation. And that is, uh, here's one, uh, Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you shall also be revealed with him in glory. And that's really our, our resource there. Um, therefore, consider your m- members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you were also once walked, and you were living in them 
But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created them. A renewal in which there's no distinction. And here's the key part. There's no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. Uh, so I th- think that that last little section there is what we're studying here here in James, the separating out of the man outwardly uh, in fine clothes and gold ring and the other man in, in, in dirty clothes and, and vile raiment. Um, and look at that. that and I, I learned this just – when we taught Colossians the last time, a few years ago, I don't think I got this fully, but uh, then uh, since then, when Roy and, and Bob were teaching this, then I, I got it. I didn't notice at first, but since you laid aside the old self, uh, there in uh, verse 9 of Colossians 3, that's an aorist, right? It was done. So that's all done. And um, you have put on the new self. That's also aorist. Middle voice is done. Uh, it's a it's a point in time fact. So it's all complete. And um, I probably didn't quite understand. I was thinking that oh, you put it on, take it off, put it on, take it off. But now um, it's really hit home what that aorist uh, does, right? Right. Um, and it's permanent. Being renewed, there you see it. That's a passive voice. Um, so who's doing the renewing? It would be the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it? So we are constantly being renewed. And that's almost the word for recreated, um, in our, in our spirit to a true knowledge according to the image of one who created them. So that's, that's the key of how, and James doesn't go into all this, but, but Paul, who's the explainer in chief, right? <laughs> okay. Always, always sets it, sets it out. And then I was going to stop there, but it goes <laughs> on 12 through, 12 through 17 of Colossians 3. Um, so as those who have been chosen, of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness. Now, you could, we can benefit from this by separate, by correctly not falling into this temptation of the two men, having a heart of uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgive, forgave you, you should, you should also forgive others. Put all these things, uh, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you indeed were called into one body, uh, with, and be thankful with all, um, well, I'm skimming here. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing each other in spiritual songs, hymns, and with thankful hearts to the Lord, 
Um, and it goes on to verse 17 there. But um, look at that word chosen. And that's the, the same word as 1 Corinthians 27 through 29, chosen word. Uh, so in that, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, 27 through 29, God has chosen the base things, the weak things, to shame the wise and the strong. That's the same word as um, we have been chosen of God, holy and beloved. So he, he's doing both the choosings here. And put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility. That's that Greek word you see it in blue. Uh, and it's really hard to pronounce because it's shwakna, <laughs> And that means bowels of mercy. So it, it's... You, sh- this is, you're, emo- you know, there's that old, and I think they're coming back to this now where your brain is the second, your stomach is your second brain or something. <laughs> it, there's a lot of motions in there, yeah. in, in your, your bowels and you feel, and you know, when you get nervous, you feel it in your stomach or in your joyous, you feel it right in the gut is what that that word is and you should have these bowels of mercy and compassion of and kindness that's the word heart uh, which is really interesting and how about that in um down in the middle there uh and again we're in colossians 3 uh one uh, colossians 3 1 through uh, 1 through 17 um i don't have the verses written down there but that put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And that, that's where you should have love for the vile one and the, the, the rich one alike. Um, we are called into one body, um, rich and poor alike. Um, and let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Um, same is what James has taught us in chapter one. He uses the word, a word of truth or the word implanted. And Paul uses, it says that you should have this, the word of Christ richly dwelling within you. And so that's, I think, is our resources in all this, this uh, little hypothetical situation uh, that we can fall into. And that's judging others based on only outward circumstances or appearances. Um, so I'll stop there and uh, any questions or comments? I, ha- I have a story that J. Vernon McGee tells. Oh yeah. He went to a church to speak and when he went inside, um, the usher was kind of rude to him and said, uh, well, where would you like to sit? And he yeah. said, well, wherever you'd like to put me. And I think he put him at the back somewhere. And then of course he gets up and he's the speaker. And he can see how embarrassed the usher is. And I guess afterwards he just uh, kept apologizing to him and everything. And But anyway, <laughs> so that was an example of a story there. <laughs> yeah, was, that, was he giving that example based on, on I this think, I, I think so. I think so. I think it was right around the, these verses. Yeah, I, I remember gee, reading that. That's <laughs> tough. I wonder if he was giving the usher a test. You know, I don't, I don't, but he didn't tell him, of course, that he was the speaker. He kind of, I think he just wanted to see how he would be treated. 
Well, mm. Trayvon is from Texas. Right. So he right. could have been his. Yeah. Who knows? He might have been speaking in some big, right. um, you know, Chicago or some right. city where they see him come in. He looks right. kind of, you know, petrified. Well, yeah, we had some friends who didn't like to listen to Jay Vernon McGee because of his accent. Right. They, oh, yeah. They judged him on his accent. He has a doctorate and everything. And it's, I love that accent. Love but, it. Yeah. So. His draw, right? Yes. Draw. Right. Well, <laughs> which I like. I like it. But, you know, I know that back, you know, in those days, right. people thought that if you had that draw, you were uneducated. Right. right. Exactly. And you were unsophisticated. Correct. I mean, right. I remember that kind mm-hmm. of reaction, even here in Colorado, when I moved here. Yeah. That's because yeah. you're from the South. Yeah, that's right. And we we haven't covered that. I mean, we're talking about clothing, but what about yeah, accents and things? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's all the same. I mean, it is. I yeah. see, you know, your your clothing usually kind of reflects kind of your upbringing. Many you times. Up and yeah. All that stuff. Although today, I think that's hard to. Yeah. When people stayed in their hometowns, I mean, they didn't write like we do today, you know. Oh, yeah. Good point. Andrew, I I had a comment. Yeah. Uh, Can can you scroll back to uh, the the verses, James 2, 1 through 4? James Uh, 2, yeah. James, yeah. So um, if you turn this 180 degrees and you say, if a man comes into your assembly full of the Spirit of Christ, and, and, and dressed in dressed in in righteousness, and there also comes in a, a man who is not dressed in that righteousness, and you pay special attention to the one who is who is full of full of things that are of Christ, and you have him sit in a very good place because you want to be near him, you want to listen to what he has to say. Are you? I, it just was kind of a curious thing. I said, are you? Are you being? Uh, are you showing? Precedent to that to that man who you want to hear what he has to say because in other words it's kind of a 180 degree. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I did, and that's a good point. Because like, really I, when I'm when I'm when I when I meet with Christians, I always try to find someone that has something really cool to share to learn, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like, I want to sit next to you. It's not like what he looks like or she looks like or their personality. It's more of that Christ coming out of them. And you want oh, to yeah. So you're saying uh, see things on, on the spiritual level. On the spiritual level, but then yeah. you're making distinctions, aren't you? You know? You know? Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's almost like a... Somebody have their mic on. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody does. Okay, well, anyway, it's almost like a, a, a additional point. You know, you you want to be around those who um, are doing the truth, but I don't know. I'm not sure it applies. This case is you're distinguishing upon their looks. That's kind of James' point. You're looking at them right. and you're making. Decision based upon their looks. This is a different. It's a different issue, I think. Uh, um, 
about their spiritual, um, uh, I say, level, level or, or what they're saying. I mean, of course you want to listen to the truth. I think there's the verses that talk about listening to the truth and not listening to error. You could go down that path and say, yeah. listen to the truth. I don't, I don't think it's exactly fits with that. No, I don't. I just thought it was a fun distinction. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. A fun exercise. <laughs> yeah. Um, stimulating. And yeah, going back to Jay Vernon McGee, he had, you know, I joked about the Kardashian sisters, but he had, um, he said he had, uh, people from Hollywood, some old, you know, yeah. top actresses who he knew who, who were coming to his church. So he had to, yeah, he had to exercise this with, with them. He probably, Treated them just the same as everybody else, right. and I bet he wasn't impressed at all with, with no, them. No, he wasn't. No, it's just yeah. But he did mention that that he you know had these people in his congregation who were part of that uh, that glorious uh, you know um, uh, that industry that's all brilliant and splendor, right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, he ministered in Los Angeles. Right, that's, he did. Right. Yeah, yeah, right down the yeah. yeah. Uh, well, 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 actually, and your dad actually attended there for some time period, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right down, right downtown, I think. Right. Church of the Open Door, I yeah. think it was. Mm-hmm. Church of the Open Door. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a comment that might help on Jay Vernon McGee. When I went to Biola. Uh, got there on the bus and that night was a Thursday night Bible study and I went in and didn't know anything about Church of the Open Door and just sat in the back. Well, J. Vernon McGee, he had a habit of welcoming welcoming visitors and having them stand up and give your name and where you're from and and, uh, if you were like I was a student uh, you know, he welcomed you on that level and he treated everybody the same. Uh, it didn't matter where you were from or whatever. He just greeted you that way, uh, from the, uh, from the pulpit, just in front of everybody, you know, welcome. You're, you're here to study God's word. We welcome you. I oh, thought that was hey. really impressive. And he didn't put you down by his footstool, I guess. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you come over here. Have a little blanket. <laughs> no, Sit down. He had that open, that that welcome, you're part of us because yeah. you're here. Well, that's yeah. wonderful. That's great. Oh, wait, so you have personal? Yeah. And, oh, that's great. So that's our that's our model, I guess, Javern McGee. <laughs> first-hand experience yeah and i bet he thought about that i bet he thought about this passage of scripture yeah. often right oh, when, yeah. when he was conducting uh his services that's amazing i would, I would think so yes yeah and uh, yeah that's so uh pressure's on Roger and Mike. To- <laughs> hey, oh wow! <laughs> okay, all right. No, <laughs> we just we just want more people. <laughs> right, right. But uh, yeah. So I'll close in prayer here. Okay. Uh, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, this tough passage of Scripture. Tough to um, not fall into this temptation, and we just pray that you'll 
bring this to our mind when this this situation, this third class conditional, this hypothetical situation can occur at, at any moment in our lives when we're out in the world dealing with others and people and um, people we don't know. We just pray that your, the Holy Spirit will, will grab us and, and remind us of, of these, uh, these words from James. And we uh, thank you for your word. In Jesus name. Amen.